Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor window, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public service professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Amara Enya, Republican Jeff Hall, Democrat Peter Hanna, and Republican Stephanie Hitt. Our program tonight coming to you from our own base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our toll-free lines are open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's brucedumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo at D-U-M-O. And again, you can join us on the World Wide Web at beyondthebeltway.com, both the audio and video portion of this program. And also, you can go to our Facebook page, the Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont Facebook page, and you can watch and see uh, and hear this program live on Facebook every Sunday night. Well, again, another full two hours of discussion for you. In the second hour, for those of you listening on radio, we're going to be joined by Judge Janine Pirro of Fox News, who's written a brand new book about uh, liars and leakers and liberals. And uh, she'll be a guest in the second hour for those who are listening to us on radio tonight. But first of all, the president had a tweet this afternoon. He clearly defines Sunday news, and this is what he had to say. I would be willing to shut down government if Democrats do not give us the votes for border security, which includes the wall, must get rid of lottery, catch and release, etc., and finally to have a system of immigration based on merit. We need great people coming into this country, President Donald Trump. Peter Hanna, I'm going to start with you. Uh, You're one of our Democrats. Uh, When the last time you were here, we were talking about uh, not only cybersecurity, your expertise, but also immigration. You have done a lot of work in that field as well. Um, Should, uh, if if the government got shut down over immigration, would that resolve the problem once and for all? Forget Forget who will take the blame for it. But, I mean, does this thing have to be brought to a head? I don't think it would resolve the problem at all. And to threaten a shutdown like this again, 100 days before the midterms, um, you know, it's hard to kind of extricate, you know, the the substantive issue from whether this is about who will sort of be to blame and who will take the loss. I think the political issue and the substantive question you're asking are kind of intertwined. So I think um, the timing is is really kind of suspect. I think this is an attempt by the administration to kind of um, put the, the Democrats in a position where they stand to, you know, have a, a tougher time in the midterms. Stephanie Hitt, you're one of our Republicans. So what do you think of the president's strategy? Well, I I feel like every tweet has multiple layers to it. And this this tweet is exactly it's he's not going to do a shutdown. We saw what happened when Chuck Schumer tried to shut down. And I think those lessons are learned. But what he is, is he's sending two messages. One is to Republicans, get on board with me. You're going, especially if we want to keep moving forward and we want to keep control of the House. And I think the second layer is he's telling Democrats, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to differentiate you from me. Uh, And that's how people are going to vote in the midterms. He's giving them a, a reason to come out and vote. Amara Anya, also one of our Democrats. Amara, is immigration uh, a key to uh, Trump turnout? 
I think it, it is a large part of Trump turnout because he campaigned largely on the wall. He campaigned on immigration. It was one of the, the biggest platform issues that he had, and it's really what galvanized a lot of his base. So I think what he is doing is he's definitely drawing a very bright line in the sand just in time for the midterms and forcing people to be able to, to have to take a strong stance one way or the other. Jeff Hom also joins us. You're not only a card-carrying Republican, you're, you're a political operative that we talk about in our opening. So, uh, and, you, and you work for the National Republican Federation, Youth Federation. Um, is this a, would it be good politics to shut down the government and force a resolution once and for all on this issue and get it behind everybody? Uh, you know, if that outcome were guaranteed, then yes, um, but that outcome isn't guaranteed. And uh, we've seen over the past years, shutdown politics uh, usually do not pay off for the person in initiating the shutdown, whether that's Chuck Schumer, whether that's Ted Cruz, whether that's Rand Paul. Uh, f- shutdown politics just don't work out very well. And on top of it, the, the Democrats, it's they're incented to keep this issue around as a wedge. When even within their own party, the open borders kind of style of immigration that is being proposed here is a minority position even within the Democrats. So the Democrats kind of have, an, have a danger here of overplaying their hand no, as well. But I, I, I'm going to challenge that because it seems to me the Republicans have control of the House. Everybody knows the Republicans have control of the House. And they've done nothing. A couple of weeks ago, it looked like it was imminent. It looked like it was going to happen that day. And then, oh, they're going to, well, they're going to delay it for over the weekend. And they delayed it one more day. So literally the spotlight was on them. The heat lamp was on them. They have control of the House. And they blew it. The Republicans, having Republicans in control, has not brought a resolution to this issue. Now, I know they have problems in the Senate. But right now... The focus is on the House. Yeah, absolutely. It's Republicans that haven't delivered on this. Not, not going to dispute that, right? I mean, it's been uh, a source of endless frustration that, uh, you know, we finally got the presidency <coughs> and both chambers of the House, right. uh, or both chambers of Congress, and we didn't have, like, plans and stuff to dust off and, and ready to go, right? We didn't have m- legislation that was already— So my well, question is— we don't is, have the why will should, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Why should people vote Republican, Stephanie? He just—he just—, he just reinforced what I just said. Well, I they have the power. They've had the power. The spotlight's been on. The heat lamp's been on. And they're blinking, blinking, blinking. They're not getting it done. Well, and yeah, I think what it is is they're seeing that um, – well, I shouldn't say they're not getting it done. They're not getting the immigration issue done. Right. That's a hot potato in many ways. Um, but they have gotten a lot of other things done. I mean, look at our economy. Look at the tax No, code, no, no, no. But things here, here, like that. But here's what so, the president no, here's what the president said, though. Yeah. The president said, I would be willing to shut down government if Democrats do not give us the votes for border security. He can't get Republican votes well, exactly. for border seen, security, including the wall. I think I mean, what we're seeing, though, is that that we have it's, it's like we have three governments. We have our Democrats, we have our Republicans, and then we have our president. And our president and the Republicans are not in lockstep. Yeah. We kind of saw this play out also during the health care debate also. This notion of uh, it was such a huge issue getting rid of the Affordable Care Act, but then when the time came, not having a plan already in place that could be executed. So we've seen this actually from the beginning of uh, the Trump administration. Yeah, you asked why, you know, why should anyone... Vote Republican. I mean, there's a obviously, in our opinion, probably a multitude of reasons that they shouldn't. But one of the ones that I think is highlighted by this conversation is the fact that there's a lot of conver- I mean, the health care debate. So repeal and replace, repeal and replace, and you have the votes, and you have the the folks in Congress, and replace with what? 
Um, well, and we're seeing the same. But also, thing. But so, the president on the tr- the president on the stump is saying, "Give me, you know, give me more Republicans. Give me more Republicans in uh, in the House." Is what he's saying, and obviously in the Senate. Mm-hmm. If that, he gets more Republicans in the House, that doesn't mean that this is, that that immigration reform is going to pass. I mean, now, if it gets in the Senate, now if he picks up, you know, you know, three or four more uh, Republican senators. Then that's going to be the difference because even if the House passed it, right. the, Repu- yeah, the, the, the current Senate is not going to do the it. 60, the sixty-vote clotcher threshold is right. is the barrier here, right? right? And so, yes, Republicans have a majority, albeit a narrow one, in the Senate. But it's without completely getting rid of the filibuster, which uh, parties have been or picking up more Republican seats, right? right. So he needs to get the, Republican the 60 seats, vote threshold but is he can't the if, here. if he gets them in the Senate and loses them in the House. It's the House Republicans that at the moment are creating this problem, and Democrats are using it politically, but so what? Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760 799 7096. That's 760 799 7096. Or visit him online at BrianSellsTheDesert.com. Bruce Dumont back. I want to ask everybody out there in uh, radio uh, land tonight, uh, television land, is that, uh, you know, I just made the point that the Republicans have been in control. Uh, in 100 days from now, there's going to be the election, the midterms are coming up. And uh, can you answer the question, why should people vote for Republicans? If, if your issue is immigration reform and you wanted the wall and you were, you, you were moved to the polls and vote for, for Donald Trump, uh, the, wall, the wall hasn't been voted on yet, hasn't been funded yet. Uh, portions of it have been built, but not, not to the degree that needs to be done. How do you feel? I mean, how are you going to react on Election Day? Uh, because I, I'm not saying that if you elect Democrats – you're going to get a wall. But how do you show your frustration with with your own party at this moment? I mean, clearly, uh, there's 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 too many voice, not too many voices. There's uh, differing voices in the Republican Party, just as there's differing voices in the, the Democratic Party who, uh, you know, there's some people in the Democratic Party that like the idea of abolishing ICE. Right. But I don't think that's the party position at the moment. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, one of the things is, you are seeing that neither party – let's wind the clock back when the DREAM Act was coming up for expiration. And there was all this rush and the threat to threat – and Schumer, what has happened since? I don't see resolve from either party on this issue, which is very telling. Yeah, it's, it was what Donald Trump, I think, felt he got elected on. I don't know if he did get elected because of immigration – However, he did make it the cornerstone of his thing. But when we see the reality reality of it, I don't think 
anybody in Congress is committed to real immigration reform. I mean, it's, at it's all. not just immigration. I mean, you look back, well, it, it, in 2008, when the Democrats had the House, the Senate, and the presidency, they could have passed immigration because they had a, they had a 60 vote um, yeah. majority at the time, either. and they could have done it. And they how, didn't do do our, it. how do our, that's an important It's a point. political how will do, thing. How do our Democrats tonight answer that question? That, that if this was such an important issue, why did you, as Democrats, not do it when you had had the the trifecta of power? Well, I think it's it's a difficult. It will be difficult for Democrats to answer, but I think we know why. I mean, our our mayor was advised the president at that time to not take up immigration as the centerpiece of his platform and instead to focus on health care back <coughs> in two thousand eight. So we didn't pick up the immigration issue as 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 we could have back then. So, yes, it's true the Democrats did not do that. Also, I think it— But it, was, it wasn't—I mean, you're talking about Rahm Emanuel, uh-huh. who advised Obama at that particular point. Yes. But, again, where was Obama on this? I mean, I, mean, I, I come back to, you know, you can have advisors advising presidents to do something. We have one right now that doesn't follow the advice of some of his advisors. And yet maybe with Obama, we had a president that followed his advisors too much. I think it comes back to, in that particular instance, I would say so, but it also comes back to this notion <clears throat> of political will. And do we have the political will to actually actually follow through on this issue? We saw once President Trump started, when people couldn't come back into the country, all of a sudden it really drummed up this enthusiasm around immigration. But I do think that it misses the point that we had an opportunity for comprehensive immigration reform. I, I would just add to everything that uh, Amar just said is, I mean, think about the context, 2008, 2009, we had a... Uh, you know, the Lehman Brothers collapse, a massive sort of economic collapse on the heels of the, um, you know, the uh, subprime mortgages. We had obviously the president inheriting a couple of wars. Um, there was a lot that had to be prioritized. And health care, of course, um, was the centerpiece of the Obama administration's efforts to pass, you know, meaningful legislation to help Americans. Um, the need for comprehensive immigration reform is not something that started in the Obama administration. And it's not something that's probably going to end in the Trump administration. Um, but it's a need that persists no matter what. And I think to, I think we're all, everyone at the table would agree that really there's a need for political will and, frankly, a need for compromise. Both sides have to get together and talk about this because obviously it's an issue that but, resonates with a lot of voters. I mean, I, I'm not going to dispute that you know compromise is a good thing and all that kind of stuff. I think the Democrats have no incentive to compromise, right? Immigration is such a big energizer for uh, the left – that why would they want to solve the issue? It's a wedge issue that Republicans right. can't get hit on yeah. every election and ad infinitum. And I'm also, I mean, uh, in, 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 I in so far as, uh, you know, compromise, when the president says that I'm willing to give uh, a pathway to citizenship for 1.8 million dreamers, which is a larger number of dreamers than are actually registered. So he says that. Now, I can't think of many people in his base who like that idea. So he takes a stand that's not necessarily popular with this base. To me, that's a president willing to compromise. Well, now, what does he want in return? And they won't and, even and offered he, to help pay for the wall. And they won't say. even meet him in yeah. Twenty-five so, billion dollars to been, pay for the wall. That's what and, the Democrats have got to give. And by, they have to. They have to be willing to do that so they can say to the Dreamers, "Hey, look what we did for you with and, the Republicans." And Gutierrez and Schumer did say that. What was interesting back in March was they were saying. If you let the dreamers in, we will 
Gutierrez even said, I will go down and help build the wall. So there was this they charged that the president backed agreement. Away. They charged yeah. that the president backed away from that. And nobody and nobody sees that. Neither party sees that. Neither party went forward with it. And neither party is holding the other accountable for it either. And, and again, just to, to – that's what elections are for, right? Just to, well, is to, exactly. is to hold now, now politicians he, he accountable. He gets to say immigration <laughs> is a problem. He also gets to – alienate and send to the far left a lot of Democrats who are screaming about abolishing ICE, for example. But what we said on this program, this is this was the week when, you know, this was yeah. we saw this coming in the conversations that we had around this table with Republicans and Democrats. Uh, and I know Michael Bauer you know, suggested, and that is just make it a simple bill. The wall for a pathway to citizenship. That's it. Right. When you put comprehensive in it, it gets too it gets yeah, too convoluted. I mean, and the Democrats are going to say, "Well, you know, we really don't want that wall." Well, you know what? A lot of Trump supporters don't, don't really don't want 1.8 million people to have a pathway to citizenship. Just to kind of again, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I think we all sort of appreciate the context. Um, to your point, Stephanie, I think that conversation occurred, and we had two elected representatives saying, "Like, yes, you know what? If this is that important to the president, and if it's going to ensure that 1.4 million folks can have a pathway to citizenship here, fine." Um, and then nothing came of it, and it just kind of dissolved. But think about the context. We also have a president, um, obviously, who has – there's many more issues than immigration that are kind of addling this president's um, ability to do anything, to come off as honest, to come off as sort of a uh, person of his word. So, um, I mean, there were numerous accounts from Pelosi and Schumer first went to the Oval Office to talk about this stuff. I think they came out actually optimistic. And then within the span of a 24-hour news cycle – it was completely just, you know, nothing. It had fallen apart. So there's just so much, I think, just penumbral activity and so many other issues hap- uh, on a, you know, national sort of, you know, table that it's really hard even – forget about comprehensive. Even the a simple bill has become almost impossible in this climate. And I think right. that's why he's using his, his tweet is – I think it's sending a message not just to Democrats. I think he's right. saying Democrats just because that's the official oh, message. Yeah. But it's actually sending a strong message to Republicans. I totally that agree. That totally this, agree. Is, this is the yeah. line. This is what I'm standing on. And it's forcing them to have to now take a strong stance on one side or the other. So I think it co- cuts both ways. I mean the thing to keep in mind here is that the wall and, and the southern border is not where most illegal immigration comes from. Most illegal immigration comes from airports, right? Visa overstays, that kind of thing. That's where probably about 60, 70% of illegal immigrants had entered the country. But the wall is a symbol, yes. right? And the wall being built is a symbol of, of Trump's victory, which is why the Democrats, hell at high water, they will not give him the wall. I, you know, it's a campaign promise. And, um, you know, I remember. But it's, but it's visible. Yeah, it's, right? it's a, I mean, it's tangible. Right. You, you yeah. can yeah. see it's it. Here's a picture. Did you say a couple of weeks ago you didn't right? think that was going to be a problem? What was the building that, of the that, wall? That 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 that, uh, that Trump supporters would stick with him even if he didn't build the wall. Oh yeah, I mean I think okay. so because I think it's really I think Trump has um, you know his his base um, believes in him through hell and high water and ultimately if the wall doesn't get built and my personal view is that I think it's a boondoggle for it to be built. There's a lot better ways <laughs> to spend that money, but even if it's not built, it's very easy for you know the Trump um, you know. Uh, acolytes to say this is because of the Democrats. But it's a stand-in, right? Well, it's a it's shorthand stand-in. It's stand also in. that idea of, you know, not not all of his supporters take him literally. And right. there is there are lots of ways of saying I've done something for border security. 
and and yeah. I didn't mean a real wall. I you know he is he has backed off from the real wall and said we've got virtual wall. We've right. got the employer Pence. verification. But he can very easily he can point to those. But the point but the point is that he can very easily say that it's the Democrats' fault. I think there's a real strong case that the Democrats are, n- are not stepping up because they see the issue more important than resolving the issue. But again, some people are going to be saying, hey, the Repu-, just like I said at the beginning of the show, some people are saying, you know, Republicans are part of the problem because a lot of Republicans don't like E-Verify. Right. The Chamber of Commerce doesn't like E-Verify. Right. If you don't have E-Verify in any comprehensive thing, you're not real serious about this issue, in E-verify, my view. E-verify. Well, and, uh, yeah, I think, well, we've talked about this in, uh, on uh, previous ones. I don't know that Republicans are committed to true immigration reform either. Um, anything that would, in many views, Asian increase demographic the demographics balance, and yeah. increase oh, the Democratic voter base. You're totally the, right. The Republicans, Republicans, aren't the Republicans go, got gonna, burned by this under Reagan. Jeff. Go ahead. Sorry. The Republicans got burned by this under Reagan. We were told amnesty one time. It'll never do it again. California went from being a solid red state to being a solid blue state. Exactly. That, I mean, but also there's a, there's another aspect to it. I mean, and it's the role that immigrants, whether documented or undocumented, play in the economy that we're not talking about. So how do how do how do corporations in the business sector benefit from having undocumented uh, individuals in this country you that know, serve as a large part of the labor force, a large part of the workforce? And that's something that we don't. I don't really hear people talking about honestly. And actually, it's the confluence between legal and illegal immigration that muddies these waters because every Republican I know is completely in favor of legal immigration, completely. Legal immigration is a, is a net good. Illegal immigration is not. But they haven't, in many instances, that hasn't deterred them from hiring undocumented individuals and paying them under the table or paying them less than right. standard Well, there wages, is a, so. a business argument for illegal immigration. There is well, and the, and the business argument has been carried by Republicans, including Speaker Paul Ryan in the House. Right. And that's one of the reasons why maybe they've never had a vote on it. Yeah. So this is, this. there's a bipartisan solution here. And there's bipartisan blame for why this right. continues Bi- to uh, dog us. We've got callers on the line, 1-800-723-8029. I'm Bruce Dumont. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. <laughs> nice to have you with us. We're talking about the midterms, and we're going to go to calls in just a moment, but I'm going to have our guests introduce themselves, and we're going to begin with a uh, frequent guest on this program. Always very good. Always nice to have you with us. Amara Enya, tell us about your background, Amara. 
Thank you. It's always good to be here. So I'm a public policy consultant by trade. I'm also an organizer. I work drafting legislation, doing policy analysis for organizations, elected officials, and uh, beyond that. So. And where are you from? Tell us about your background. So I am in Chicago. I reside on the west side of Chicago. Family's from Nigeria, uh, so I always have to plug that. Um, but been in Chicago, working here, living here. And How many years have you been from Nigeria? Uh, so I grew up here, but most okay. of my family is still back. Yeah, they're okay. still still back back home. Very good. And Stephanie Hitt, uh, tell us about you as a you're a proud mama. We know that I am. I have four teenage. Well, now one's twenty. So yeah, I've got uh, I've got four <laughs> kids. So that that. And I am a political activist. I'm a reformed attorney. I grew up inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C., surrounded by um, Washington politics. I, I got to spend a stint working uh, at the U.S. Attorney's Office when Giuliani was the U.S. Attorney in New York. And um, But now I, I get to do uh, conservative co- commentating and political activism in the, uh, the Republic of Evanston. Very good. And also, we should mention from a personal message, last week you dropped your daughter off at the U.S. Air Force yeah, Academy. a month ago. Yeah, month ago, so I uh, have a basic cadet um, at the Air Force Academy, and uh, so go Falcons, and uh, we're very proud. And she's going to be a pilot someday. We hope so, yeah. Peter Hanna joins us. Peter? Um, uh, my name is Peter Hanna. I'm uh, from New York, but I've been in Chicago for uh, seven, eight years. Um, I still prefer significantly... Uh, by a big margin, New York pizza. Um, and wow. when, I'm, when I'm not eating pizza um, and not being run out of Chicago for the statement I just made, um, <laughs> I'm involved in a, an array of political activism, um, um, work often with the uh, ACLU of Illinois. I'm the president of the ACLU Next Generation Society. Uh, I'm an attorney. I focus on technology um, issues uh, as well as civil liberties issues. Um, and originally and from Egypt. Originally from Egypt, and I was born in Egypt, and uh, my family uh, immigrated here. Uh, when I was about two. Um, and in addition to all that, I, I teach law at, uh, as an adjunct professor at Chicago Kent School of Law. Very good. Jeff Holm. My name is Jeff Holm. I'm the club development chair for the Young Republican National Federation, um, which is a national organization of uh, young Republican chapters. Um, so I used to be the president of the Chicago Young Republicans, um, kind of moved up in the chain. Um, I am a native-born son of Chicagoland. Uh, I've been here all my life. I went to school at DePaul. I went to, I'm a Fenwick Friar as well. Um, I'm the second of four. Uh, all of my siblings are still somewhere in Chicagoland. I've probably got between 40 and 50 cousins dotted across the suburbs as well. So, so they're all listening tonight. You're texting them out. Well, hopefully. Them all. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Ratings are going up in this. Right. Yes. Well, thank you all for, uh, for joining us tonight. For having us. Let's go to David listening to us in San Francisco. He's listening on the Internet tonight. Go ahead, David. I think you pressed the wrong line. Okay. Well, who, who's ever oh, there, speak. Better. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Bruce. And uh, by the way, if you could tell your engineer to turn up the volume when we're sitting on hold, can barely hear it. It's a okay. We will let Sam know to turn up the volume for those waiting on hold. Yeah, we'll do. Now, you know, go uh, ahead. A couple of things. I remember when George Bush the second was trying to build this wall, and uh, it had gotten up to a million dollars a foot, a million dollar a foot wall, and. What was extra stupid about it was that for better than 200 years, America was the magnet of freedom, that we were attracting the, the best and brightest from around the world to come to America. <clears throat> if they could escape tyranny, then they could 
and get here, then they became actually ammunition against tyrants. But the idea that uh, that Trump and Bush have gone out of their way to make sure that the uh, people who have got cur- uh, courage and, and wisdom enough to a- escape tyrants can't get here. Now they're trapped in, in their homelands, uh, trapped in sweatshops, trapped in, in, uh, in a position so that now America is hated instead of looked at as the magnet of freedom. Let's go to let's go to Jeff Hom because I don't think he agrees yeah, with you. I'm sitting you, here so making go faces. Go ahead, um, Jeff. So I, this is the difference between legal and illegal immigration. Again, legal immigration is a net positive, and that is the best and the brightest. If you look at even Trump's tweet that that we were just discussing earlier, he talks about a skills skills based migration, right, and or a merit based system rather, which is what. Basically, every country in the world has. They have a merit base that you're going to contribute to society and, and be one of the best and the brightest. And that is absolutely an okay thing here, right? That's, that's absolutely something the Republicans are in favor of. The wall is about illegal immigration. So I think to, to the caller's point, um, you know, if someone presents themselves at a you know, port of entry and they say, I'm fleeing you know, a terrible situation, uh, tyranny or, or whatever um, – you know, they that's not the normal legal route, but they are entitled under a number of treaties yeah, and you laws. You can also do to, that from to, a consulate. But I'm saying they can, but it's, I mean, I, I've actually worked on several asylum cases. And I can tell you that in every single one I've worked on, if they did it from the comfort of a consulate in their home country, they would have been dead. So, in fact, actually, it's, you know, in our law, in the U.S. Code, and it's, you know, in the treaties that we've signed off on, which say, effectively, if, a, if someone presents themselves at a port of entry and says, I need refuge in your country, and this is, I mean, every, every Western country and, and then some abide by this. If they present themselves and they say, I need refuge in your nation, we are obligated to give them promptly sort of a credibility hearing okay. and then decide from there. So and if the we fact don't... is that if they have a so credibility that... hearing and they're found to have a credible fear of being harmed, right. then so, they're entitled to be put into the system, and then they're in the pipeline. And what's happening now, and I, I mean, this is numerous people have said, have said this, including many of my colleagues at the ACLU and other organizations at races. Make no mistake, the wall has been built. It may not be physical, but we have been separating parents and children every time they come to the country. Which is a Ninth basis. Circuit ruling. What, what, what do you mean? That's a Ninth Circuit ruling. The, the Ninth Circuit, the, the Ninth Circuit Court, is, is the one that said that. Children cannot be held for longer than X amount of time. And if a asylum investigation, that process that you were just describing, takes longer than I think it's what three weeks, four weeks, that the children cannot be detained with yeah, with about, the parents. Um, that was right? the decision by a district court in the Ninth Circuit. So it's a federal district court. And that's it was affirmed same. by the Ninth Circuit. The, the, you're, yeah, but you're I think you're actually conflating that decision and the decision that the government has about 14 days to bring together children under five have been separated and so on and so forth. But my point is there is a wall. There is a huge, and the caller made the point, there is a huge basically just psychological barrier now that dissuades people, even people in need, from coming to this country. Well, I, I, I actually Definitely. think the, the, the Trump vision of the wall <clears throat> is a little bit different than what we're talking talking about here and that is i think it's been very clear from the things that donald trump says is yes he wants skilled workers the best and the brightest coming here i don't think he's opposed to political asylum either he has made it very clear that when he talks about the ball Mm. what he is talking about specifically are the people taking advantage of the system and using it to bring in illegal drugs you know drug activity crime most of his 
anti-immigrant rhetoric is really based on, it's not calling immigrants criminals, it's calling those criminals who are taking advantage of the immigration system to bring their crime here. But the problem is and that there are mechanisms to address the criminal well, element but not anymore. Not no, with sanctuary cities. There, you know. No, there, there are still mechanisms in place already to address criminals, right? So no one believes that criminals should be allowed to come in and run amok. The issue that I think is, again, going back to this notion of who actually benefits from having undocumented individuals here. And there's a huge population of, of groups, we can call it the business sector, the corporate sector, that benefit and have benefited from undocumented individuals who, who comprise a large part of the workforce and the lack of political will on either side to really come to an agreement. One well, of the problems, one, one, thing, one yeah. thing I think that the Democrats need to do more of is, and, and both sides are, are, have to react here, uh, the Democrats can't, can't project that everyone that's coming here is a struggling uh, Latin American who's got a family and they're they're they're, they're all you know they're all you know central casting of good good quality hardworking they can't cast everyone with that role and likewise when Donald Trump talks about the criminals and the bad elements or the bad hombres. He's got to he's got to be more specific and precise with his words, which is part of his problem. Right. He's got to say some of those that are coming. Right. He has painted a broader brush than most people would like because they're not all they're not all you know perfect who come here. Right. And I mean, there's America's many of America's prisons, federal prisons and state prisons are filled with Hispanics, whether they're Mexicans, Colombians, whatever it is, right. who are bad hombres. They're not here. You don't see them holding their children and going to work right. every day, there are which we see on a regular communities, basis. Communities, especially down in the southwestern part of the, the country, <clears throat> where they, they feel the brunt of that the most. Yes, and, and actually, we feel it up here in Chicago. I mean, the, the, the illegal drug trade, the drug trade that comes up from Mexico up through DeKalb into Chicago is is a it's well known it's very clear. but uh, but it's also and it's it's kind of a one-sided thing right so if there was no market here to create the demand then there would be no th- yeah. then it wouldn't be an issue so i think and we have nobody to have a likes to view. talk about that Bruce, i want to i want to address one thing that stephanie said um you know i think the the idea that uh the trump administration hasn't been hostile to asylum applicants is um i think i would say he hasn't been specifically explicitly the most hostile to them but you know, Attorney General Sessions recently put out a memorandum, which I'm sure you're familiar with, that basically said, you know, domestic violence and gang violence, the threats of domestic violence and gang violence are no longer bases for asylum when they had been for a long time. So there has been hostility towards folks who've been fleeing situations where there's bad domestic violence and gang violence. So one of the one of the things that's part of the Seconds. one of the things that's part of the wall funding is more immigration judges to actually be able to get through these cases in a reasonable amount of time. That's something that is a dead letter f- to the Democrats, that they will not give more funding. I don't, that's, I don't think that's true at all. And I think with immigration judges, there's a universal desire for that, but it's something that every administration has just sat on forever. Um, but I agree with you. There's a need for them, for sure. We have agreement on an issue. Bam. I'm Bruce Dumont. Let's go Back to Congress right now. <laughs> you and I, we got this. Chicago. <laughs> Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? 
It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Let's go to Ron, who's listening to us in Benton Harbor, Michigan. He's listening to us on WSJM. Go ahead, Ron. Hi, Bruce and guests. Uh, you know, the Trump and Republican administration, they want to make it harder for people of color to immigrate to this country. They've already, what, they said that serving honorably in the U.S. military <clears throat> no longer equates to citizenship, which has always been uh, a right. And that, but it's okay for uh, Trump to set up in his hotel <clears throat> where uh, rich uh, Russian oligarchs can come in there with their uh, their gangster money, and uh, but uh, you're worried about the, the drugs coming over over the border. I think there are billions in drug drug money and gangster money coming into the United States through Trump's hotels and uh, birthing uh, stations is even worse. Well, you, you sir, sir, you don't you don't know that that there's any truth to that as well. But you you've made your comment. We appreciate it. We're now going to go to Rick, listening to us in Nashville, Tennessee. Go ahead, line three. Are you there? Yes. Go ahead. Oh, hello, Bruce. Hello. I wanted to challenge. I wanted to challenge the, uh, the statements of one of your guests that said it's it's Western civil any Western country it's sort of their responsibility to take in asylum seekers uh, for domestic violence or gang violence. Uh, I live in Nashville. We have gang violence. I've seen it. I could be affected by it. Therefore, I want to go to San Moritz. Can I go to San Moritz and claim asylum with that country? And you think they will let me in? Um, I think. Uh, of course not. Um, I think this, um, Rick. Rick. Um, thanks for the comment, Rick. Uh, you know, I think um, maybe I can be more clear. It's the responsibility of countries that are signatories to human rights treaties that we have signed. I don't know about St. Moritz if they've signed it, but it's not to take in asylum seekers, but you have to, when someone presents themselves at your border, um, basically give that person a hearing to determine whether their fear is credible. And I'm not sure what the police force is doing in Nashville, but if you're unsafe from uh, rabid gangs in Nashville, I I encourage you to buy a flight to St. Moritz. But let let me ask this question. Those people that are coming to the country in the last several months are coming from Central America, Honduras and Guatemala. Once they set foot... On Mexican soil, isn't Mexico a signatory to this treaty that you're talking about? And, and shouldn't they? Shouldn't Mexico be giving them asylum? I mean, or are they fear if they don't want to? They don't want to seek asylum there because the same problems are there, uh, maybe close to the border than in their countries. I mean, I think that's a great, an excellent question. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert in Mexican law. I'm an expert in, uh, you know, the U.S. code and U.S. law. And I'll say, at least speaking, just at a general level. They're more than welcome to apply for asylum in Mexico, but many of them decide not to, and they make their way to the United States, um, and they want the life, that the promise that the U.S. has, has provided. And that was one of the challenges. So they don't hate America. 
Some yeah. one of our callers suggested that Absolutely they ate not. America. No, I mean, uh, they, why would some of these folks be <laughs> trekking thousands of miles, yeah. oftentimes yeah. large parts on foot, just to get here? Yeah. Because this is the country, and this is what brought my family to this country, and maybe your family as well. This is the country where anyone with nothing could walk in and have a normal, happy, successful life. And that's the promise. That vision is a promise that my dad had, my parents had when I, before I was born. But I, I fear, to one of the earlier callers, that vision is the one that's slowly dissolving. But you, but you went through a process. Your family went through a process. Did your family go through a yeah. process? Okay. So we have two people that have come to this country as, as young people. Uh, your parents went through the process. How do each of your parents feel about those now who are trying to jump the line and not go through the process? Well, you I talk to your parents about that? <laughs> we talk about care? well, we talk about the we, so the frustration is the fact that there has been no immigration reform that has with the improvements that we have talked about for years. The fact that it takes six or seven or eight years just to get through the most what should be the most basic steps is a problem. The fact that you can be here for 30 years waiting for hearings, waiting for right. this, that, and the other. I mean, those are the things that we talk <clears> about when we think about immigration reform. So we're frustrated when we see opportunities for compromise that, aren't, that are not uh, acted upon, largely because of the lack of political will or because we want to use this as a wedge issue for an election coming up. And so we don't do what we need to so, do. So anyone listening within the sound of my voice tonight, if you know if you meet someone who has become a citizen of the United States, you're looking at someone that's gone through a long arduous process to be able to say they're Americans. And whether that's going through the asylum process, whether it's you know getting a green card, becoming a permanent resident, then becoming naturalized citizen, yeah, it takes time. And, um, and you pay money. And it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Like forty, fifty thousand yeah. dollars $50,000 on average to, but, to go through nationalization. But I, I would say, um, you know, many people I know who've gone through that process are so proud yeah. of that process. And they feel like they've earned that citizenship. So I can see where in a lot of communities there is a lot of resentment for people who as you say, jumping the line. Yes. And, yes. and if you're if you're if, if you're someone who just sort of you know sneaks across the border at just to you know go you know work somewhere, earn some money with you have no reason you're you're safe where you came from. There's no basis for asylum. That's the sort of Im- illegal immigration that I think all of us could agree that violates the law. That was the that you was know, the cover story of time, right? The the crying baby, right? Uh, was oh this is just proof that the Trump administration is so irredeemably racist. Oh, it turns out the mom kidnapped the child. Uh, it turns out the mom was an ec- economic migrant. She was not an asylee. Uh, um, and, and it just not – this this idea that every single person that's coming from the southern border is a, a, a case worthy of asylum is insane. Well, it's a, right. just as insane as the notion and the narrative that every single person coming from the border is a criminal. Yeah. And that's I why there's a that. need for true. nuance. Okay, which sure. is I think there's, uh, there's, I, I there's a little of both. There's a little of each. And it's an overstatement. Yeah. Our callers, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, for those listening to us on radio, uh, in the next hour, you're going to hear Janine Pirro from Fox News, and she's talking about her new book about liberals, lies, and leakers. Uh, and also, she's going to make the case against the anti-Trump conspiracy. She's going to lay out her her case, and we've got uh, lawyer Peter Hanna here. He's going to cross-examine her, yeah. as well as our other guests. Brianna, <laughs> also, for so long. your calls. <laughs> 1-800-723-8289. If you're watching us on television, we'll see you next week. If you're listening to us on radio, don't go away. News is next, and then we'll be back for another full hour from Chicago. I'm Bruce Dumont.
If you look hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's work, weekend update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe, catch fresh fish for dinner, even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. From Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, Professors and most importantly, plain speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Amara Enya, Republican Jeff Holm, Democrat Peter Hanna, Republican Stephanie Hitt, and Judge Janine Pirro from Fox News, author of Liars, Leakers, and Liberals The Case Against the Anti Trump Conspiracy. 
Thank you very much. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. 1-800-723-8029 is the phone number coming to you from the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago. Our toll-free lines open at 1-800-723-8029. If you want to email me a comment, it's Bruce Dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo. And if you want to join us to see and hear this program, you can go to our website, beyondthebeltway.com. It is not only this week's show, it's past shows for many, 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 many years. And, of course, you can join us live on Facebook at Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont, the Facebook page. And, again, we are live each and every week on Facebook. And, again, a little bit later on, Janine Pirro from Fox News is going to join us uh, in about 25 minutes on the broadcast. But I want to talk with our panel this evening. I want to talk about something else that uh, has come up uh, this this past week. And uh, we're going to talk about the legal issues involving the president with Judge Janine. But uh, I want to talk about cybersecurity because, uh, Peter, that's one of your areas of expertise. And there's been some conversation as to, to, to what extent the United States is preparing itself for possible uh, meddling on the part uh, of the Russians. And uh, what, what can you say about the quality of Americans, the security of the American ballot at the moment? Are you comfortable with it? Is it going to be worse than 2016 or better? Um, it's really hard to say, but I'm not comfortable with it. I think there's a few factors that everyone should be thinking about. One, I mean, really just some of the crackdown on crackdowns we've seen on voting rights across the country. Um, that sort of, to me, is just sort of an underlying issue um, across the, the nation. Two, a lot of the states have their own sort of internal processes for ensuring the ballot, you know, that voting is, is obviously not being, the integrity is being compromised. And, you know, some of the states are doing more, some of the states are doing less. Um, and I could say, I guess, the third factor is the federal government, or frankly, the Trump administration, um, has not done nearly enough uh, to get out there and, you know, really mandate and require all states to ensure that the ballot integrity is um, is there. It doesn't help also that we have a president who seems, you know, some mornings to wake up and say, I'm going to be supportive of my intelligence uh, community and what they've concluded that there's not just meddling in 2016, but ongoing meddling and Meddling in 2018, you know, already predicted. Um, and then some mornings he wakes up saying, you know, no, Russia didn't meddle. Russia won't meddle. Everything is fine. Um, it also is really disturbing to have a president who tells his base and tells people at rallies, forget about what you see or what you read or what you hear. Trust me, it's all fine. So I think that really all kind of combines into making it a really um, uncertain, and, and that's very dangerous when it comes to voting because that's the one thing you do need, certain ballot. So Jeff Hom, he went well, well beyond the question. <laughs> so he hit his points. Right. So we'll so, let you hit so, some back. So there's there's two issues here, right? One is, Sorry. did did Russia try to influence the outcome of the 2016 election? The answer is probably yes, right? They do it in every country that they view as either yeah. a strategic opponent or and somebody that can be yes. influenced. It is right? even yeah. probably yes. Right. Uh, the, the, yes. the second the second issue, which which tends to be conflated, um, is whether votes were changed. Or whether Trump, the Trump, admin, the Trump um, campaign actually received material support from Russia. The answer to that is absolutely not, right? And if we really worry, are worried about um, ballot security, then we should move back to paper ballots. Paper ballots are unhackable. Right, I mean, electronic but, voting yeah. machines are awful anyway. I yeah. mean, who even uses they, one of those? Like, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> they don't. Right? Yeah, there's always a glitch. I right? mean, I think some Definitely. of the things that Peter is saying is he he is clearly responding to some of the rhetoric of of Donald Trump, and I will I will lay that out there is that we do we do have um, 
a president who speaks one way, it doesn't mean that's necessarily how he always acts or what's really going on in the administration or within the cabinet. I also think that we do have, and and this is something, you know, this warning was sent out to Obama in the, under his administration as well, and there's, there's no claim that he, as a president, took Russia seriously, let alone cybersecurity seriously. However, I do but think— But again, there, 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 is, there is testimony that his chief cybersecurity officer was told to stand down by Susan Rice. Stand yes. down. Don't worry about it. Right. The next administration will worry about it. And, and however— And again, states were warned right. during the Obama administration. States were warned that something was happening. So, I mean, right. there was but, but there was but there was not the commitment towards, you know, I mean, I know Peter's calling for this commitment from Trump, but that commitment was rejected by Obama. But but what so, the point I really want to get to here is th- those are, again, the layers, the layers of rhetoric, the layers of administration. I, I do think that we have agencies, um, you know, our, our, our FBI and our NSA. Those people, the, the people that work in those agencies every single day and have committed their lives to the security of this country, they are committed to the security. And they are yeah. fighting this. It is, and it's, it's not okay. just Russia. But it's China. The, it's I Korea. Hear, I want to hear from Amara. Well, part of the issue is when the legitimacy and credibility of those agencies is undermined by the president's rhetoric. So knowing that there are individual staff working in those agencies on these issues of cybersecurity, but then to have the president out front publicly essentially delegitimizing their work or calling into question what it is that they're doing is not helpful to the work that they are so doing. Let me just follow up on that. We're talking about uh, the Trump administration, how they're responding, and, and the, the questions that they have about whether or not they're going to believe every aspect of, of the intelligence that's put before them. Okay? The president, uh, when he was running for the office, said that he questioned some of the evidence that was being presented uh, that, that was the justification of the war in Iraq. Faulty, faulty evidence that was being presented by Colin Powell and others. You, your side of the aisle were, were questioning that. Some on the re- Republican side were questioning that. Donald Trump was questioning that. Donald Trump won a Republican primary against 16 other people that supported the intelligence community. Donald Trump was just saying, wait a minute, you're not that, you know, you're, you're not infallible. Right, but mistakes. when he's meeting with Putin and, and, and publicly making statements that seem to delegitimize the United States intelligence community. But he's being but supported by, by Pompeo, who says that those meetings were successful, that good things are going on. So you're criticizing maybe some of this rhetoric, but when it comes at the end of the day, when it comes down you to it, the actual the, policy. The, what's actually happening, what's well, being done, the agencies and Trump are on the same Secretary page. Pompeo... Um, you know, was kind of squirming before questioning earlier this week, just trying to answer the question, is the president, are the president's tweets policy or do they come from somewhere else? So, I mean, I I don't, I don't really trust, you know, where Pompeo says policy is, but to your point about the the ballot, election integrity is not just about like, can the voting machine be hacked? It is, where is the money coming from that's going to election campaigns? How are the social media, you know, outlets being modified or affected by others. Do you think that a $40,000 Facebook ad buy had a material impact on the election? 
I think it could have, yeah. In this election, forty thousand dollars. I think it could have, absolutely, if it's in the right district, in the right place, and you see the right number. Is it what what kept Hillary from going to Wisconsin in the closing days of the race? (laughs) Hey, I was in Hillary's campaign manager. Saying, you know, like like, like Bill, I would have told her get to Wisconsin. Bill was screaming and calling people deplorable. There you go. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the president and whether or not he should trust the intelligence community and Judge Janine coming up in fifteen minutes. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760 760- 799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at BrianSellsTheDesert.com. Bruce back in Chicago. One of the things we were just talking about is why Donald Trump has uh, maybe not 100% uh, support of the, uh, or not uh, understanding and confidence in the intelligence community. And I want to put it in context because... We, we all know, and even Donald Trump knows, that, I mean, the ball was dropped by American intelligence during the campaign of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Yeah. Because they, they had reported to President Obama that there was things going on involving Russia, and the Obama administration chose not to aggressively pursue it, chose not to publicly report it, and Susan Rice ordered the the security head of the Obama administration to stand down and not make a big deal of the issue because they thought a new president was coming along that they thought was going to be was going to be uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. So they wanted to keep this quiet. They well, did. They did not. That's true. But sometimes you've got to cho- you've got to choose. But here's the other point. The people that were, who were the people in charge when all of this was going on? James Comey was at the FBI. James Clapper was at the NSA. And John Brennan was at the CIA. You had three top national security investigative agencies. And not one of them, not one of them was able to stop what Russia was doing. Now, I got to tell you, if I'm a new incoming president and I know that Russia has meddled in the campaign, and I think Donald Trump has known that for a long time, the first people that I fire, the FBI, the NSA, and the CIA. And that's exactly what he does. There's no reason why he should have had any confidence in John Brennan, Comey, or in James Clapper. None. And, and, and you know, how do we know that now? Because two of those three, one wrote a book. And the other two, three, are paid hacks yes. to NBC and CNN. And, and, and the president is talking about having their, their, their security uh, re, uh, withdrawn. And they probably should. They blew it. 
They made the mistakes. No, do you agree with what I just said or no, don't? I mean, you've I, laid, you don't, it, you've laid it out, and they did say during the uh, under the Obama administration that he did have a conversation with Putin that at the time they were unsure of they didn't want to raise the the alarm right. because they weren't really sure what exactly was happening, and so he had the conversation. But isn't with Putin that their job to know what's happening? So, so <laughs> they they knew, but they didn't but, know. Yeah, to I the think extent. Obama's afraid of Putin. To be honest, <laughs> I want to get and, Peter's response. I want to get Peter's response. So I, th- I mean, I think the way you laid it out, obviously, is, is tells a compelling story. But, I mean, here's the bottom line. If Obama had gone out there and publicly said, Russia's trying to mess up this election, you know, they want Hillary Clinton to lose, it would have been a disaster. And it would have been unprecedented to have a sitting, you know, lame duck president get out there and basically take a stake in the, in the election. So I think if Trump had <laughs> Didn't taken Obama office— did Obama campaign for Hillary? He did, but yeah. I'm saying— Isn't that taking a stake well, in the no, election? I'm sorry, taking a stake in an election where you're simply trying to use basically intelligence to— But much like Comey— Well, much like Comey— So let me just make one point about your question about Trump. Make your point. The main point. If Trump had taken office and said, Clapper, Comey, Brennan, you're out. There was obvious evidence that Russia interfered or tried to interfere. And you know what? I acknowledge they did— and I've been inaugurated, and here we go. We would be having a very different conversation. Instead, he's waffled a million times, and uh, you know, like I said, every morning he wakes up, and it's it's a question whether he will say like they did meddle, they didn't meddle. I, I didn't know. I oh, didn't and know. this is this is where it's, it's more. Uh, I think what he I think what he vacillates on is collusion. Now, granted, yes. he has not been as emphatic as he should have been about meddling. Meddling should have been a clear understanding. But the point is, the people that didn't stop the meddling are the three people that he fired. Not well, to, by the way, and, everyone knows, yeah. you know, James Comey would have been fired if Hillary Clinton had been elected. I just, Maybe yeah, right. faster. <laughs> right. Maybe so, but, faster. But the election is small potatoes here, right? The, the, the interference in the election is small potatoes. The bigger intelligence failure during the Obama administration was the Office of Personnel Management hack that was likely done by China. I mean, this has it, – it's like digital Pearl Harbor is thrown around with the, 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 inter, uh, the interference yeah. in the election. But the OPM stuff, that's actually – Actually, about sources and methods. I mean, um, Lockheed had, was digitally intruded upon so many times that they had to keep changing the plans to the F-22 because it's supposed to be a stealth fighter. But like, of, all of this happened in, during the Obama administration, and they didn't do anything. But part of the issue is not that, that there are hacks and that, there is, that, that systems will be compromised because that's pretty much a given. I think at issue here is when was it reported, was it reported, uh, and the time frame that things happened. So much like the quandary that Jim Comey found himself in when he was saying something about the emails, announcing this email scandal days before the election, and he states, well, I, I was afraid if I didn't do, if I didn't come out, that it would seem as though I was colluding with... Comey, and and he to worried too much about what people were thinking Comey about. Comey has but a now, savior complex. Just, yeah, I mean, it's got, clear from I mean, his book. And we do have gonna, a scarier uh, onion layer okay. revealed, and that is, you know, the Peter Strzok and all of that. We've so. got to go to a call. Let's go to Gene listening to us in Austin, Texas. And she's listening to us on KLBJ. Go ahead, Jean. Hi, it's singing, it's singing Lady uh, Banana Bread. I used to call in years ago. But uh, I want to say hi and tell all the guests some of the things I agree on both sides. Uh, I voted for Hillary. My husband voted for Trump. And the uh, only thing I can say is I don't understand why everyone is, is trusting Putin because they have so many human rights violations. I'm a musician here in Austin, and I tell you, know, my husband starts talking, oh, Russia this, Russia that, why is everybody against Trump, on and on and on. You know what I say? Go get a visa and go visit Russia, and you go speak out. He's a musician also. I go, go, go over there, 
speak out in Russia and you see what happens to you. Second, why is the borders on the Canadian line? No one's talking about that. Nobody. I'm Mexican-American, by the way. This, it's upsetting. It's upsetting. And I, you know, there's... Because hundreds of thousands, Jeannie, hundreds of thousands of people are not coming into the country uh, from the Canadian border. Without without passport, that. I don't agree with that. Well, you, I don't uh, agree with that. show me show because, me some facts. Here. I'll also say it's because the face of immigration is is typically looks a certain way. So what's being cast as the illegal immigrants are coming I, from the southern border are Mexican, even though we haven't talked about Central, Central and South America. America. Right. So it's because oh. there's a certain face that is that is attached to illegal right. illegal immigration, and so you're not talking about folks coming in from uh, Europe that so, are that are illegal and folks agree. who've been able to yeah, blend into the to so this country. The important thing here with regards to Russia is the difference between the rhetoric and the policy, right? So, yes, some of his rhetoric has been head-scratching at best. Um, But if you look at the policy, it's increased lethal aid to Ukraine, something that the Obama administration would not do. Um, It's uh, a strengthening of the Magnitsky Act, which goes after the finances of Putin's oligarchs, which actually hits them where it counts, rather than just trying to do what Mueller's doing and indicting 12 Russians that will never actually step foot in the United States. Um, if you look at the actual policy there in, in the Department of Defense and all that kind of stuff, it has been incredibly tougher on, on Russia than anything under the Obama administration. I mean, in Syria, U.S. troops killed something like 200 Russian soldiers that were trying to storm a position. It was a complete bloodbath. And, and that's – the policy is different yeah, from the rhetoric. I want to go back to Gene. Gene, go ahead. The last word to you. You bring on all these guests with all the different, you know, angles and how they feel. But yeah. I just personally feel that, you know, I also am battling stage three breast cancer. I have no health insurance. I'm a musician with no health insurance. And uh, I'm over $200,000 in debt with debt collectors banging on my door. What's Trump going to do about people like me? Like, seriously, everyone's arguing about, you know, health insurance. But it's like, I feel like I want to just say, here. This is yeah. me. This is reality. This is what's happening to me. And, like, I don't – I just feel like, you know, I, I almost feel a little lost in my own country, if that even makes Well, sense. I mean, the, 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 the point is your, your, your personal experience is, is, is obviously a very devastating. Anybody that's going through that and battling cancer, I, I know from a pers- firsthand that, that how difficult that is to an individual and to a family. But, again, in this particular case, uh, is your husband able to uh, – is is he giving you the assistance that you need personally? Absolutely. I I'm Okay, now here here's 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 what's here's what's happy about your story, okay? You you painted the sad side. And we live in a country where we have people at each other's throats be, based on their politics. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're a Hillary supporter. Your husband is a Trump supporter. And you and he's, and you're still helping each other. You still love each other. <laughs> Politics, politics keeps both of your blood boiling. I'm sure. Now, tell me about the banana bread. (laughs) Is the banana bread keeping you happy as well? Yes. Okay. But thank you so much. No, no. Believe me, it's not all so so sad. Trust me. Well, no, that's good. If you've got some banana bread and your husband and you're both musicians, uh, (laughs) that you probably make beautiful music together. It's like a happy household. Oh, by the way. Yes. if anyone's listening and wants to look at my music, I have new music on SoundCloud, uh, <laughs> nice. Lady Revolution. Okay. So, uh, yeah, please, it's free. Just Anybody uh, listening on KLBJ in Austin, it's one of the great music cities of the United States, and uh, we've heard from one musician, so uh, 
Good luck with your husband. Uh, keep talking politics. Keep the blood flowing, and uh, you know, uh, you know, take that banana bread whenever you need it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your call. Well, I was Stephanie. Saying, I think Jeannie hit on something that we we haven't really talked a lot about today, and that is, you know, the, we we've been talking about Russia, immigration, and all, you know, trust in our agencies. But Jeannie hits hits the nail on the head, and that is, at the end of the day, when Americans go to the polls, they go based on what is going on in their lives. Yes. Yeah. And are these politicians listening to what's going on in their lives? And to be honest, when I talk to people out there, we love to talk about Russia. For for 99% of the people out there, Russia is noise. It's not even top 10. Noise. It's it's not even top 20. Exactly. It's the economy. Or healthcare. It is the economy, and the economy is uh, good at the moment. And uh, the question is, is it going to be good in November? When we come back, we're going to be joined by Judge Janine Pirro from Fox News. She's authored a new book. She's going to be talking talking about that book when she returns. So if you're big fans of Judge Janine, stand by. She's coming up here in about three minutes. Don't go away. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. And uh, we are now joined by uh, Judge uh, Janine Pirro. Judge, are you with us this evening? I am. How are you? Terrific. We're delighted to have you. She, of course, is a is one of the big stars of Fox News, and she's author of a new book called Liars, Leakers, and Liberals, The Case Against the Anti-Trump Conspiracy. And we're joined in Chicago by four of our regular guests on Beyond the Beltway. And I, I want to begin with you uh, with a, a couple of contemporary questions and then uh, get into uh, the conspiracy that you think that uh, the president is a victim of. But the, the, the legal... Um, um, maneuvers of last week involving Michael Cohn and releasing uh, tape recordings of conversations with his client Donald Trump. How how does that change, if anything? How does it change uh, the case against Donald Trump that's being built? Well, uh, I don't know that it changes much at all, other than uh, Michael Cohen is a classic example of someone that the feds have something on that we can suspect based upon their seizing everything pretty much in his office, his hotel room, and uh, uh, his home. Uh, and I think that what we're hearing, and I, uh, uh, you know, I had Rudy Giuliani on my show Justice last night, mm-hmm. is that the tape that we've all heard possibly has been tampered with, and I think if anyone listens to it, uh, all of a sudden it's very clear that all of a sudden, you know, Donald Trump says check, and 
Cohen is saying cash, cash, and then it goes, it goes, it's dead. So one of two things happened: either Michael turned the tape off, or someone tampered with it. But you know, we don't know what Michael Cohen is giving to the feds, but I suspect he's giving him something. In the state of New York, uh, is it illegal to tape someone uh, either on a phone or in an office? Well, no. Uh, New York is one-party state, and all it takes is the consent of one party. Okay. Michael Cohen was the one party he can consent, so that's not that's not illegal. But but okay. certainly, um, you know, a lawyer taping a client uh, is questionable at best. And mm-hmm. now uh, it was it's out, and uh, apparently, this is my understanding. CNN got it, and uh, uh, Maggie Haberman, I believe, uh, said that. Uh, right. Uh, Either uh, Rudy or the president gave it to CNN, something like that. So you have to wonder if Cohen and his lawyer, Lanny Davis, did. Right. I know because Lanny obviously is very close to uh, uh, to CNN and has, and has been out there a long time. Let me ask you this, uh, Judge, because the the subtitle uh, of your book, which is uh, uh, The Case Against the Anti-Trump Conspiracy, when did the anti-Trump conspiracy begin in your mind? Uh, well, first of all, it didn't begin in my mind. It began in no, no, the no, FBI. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I know the four who are waiting uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the weeks there, but I'm getting ready. Uh, look, I think the anti-Trump conspiracy started, uh, you know, and, and we saw the veil come down with the Peter Strzok and the Lisa Page text and email. Uh, and, and, you know, will he be president? No, we'll stop it. And uh, then the insurance policy. You know, think about it, guys or ladies. I don't know who's there. Um, you don't get an insurance policy to prevent something. You get insurance policy in the event something happens so that you can deal with it in the event the unforeseeable happens. Well, the unforeseeable for pretty much the whole country was that Donald Trump would win, given that 95 percent of the pollsters said, you know, that she was going to win. Uh, and and uh, then Trump wins. So that's the unthinkable. The insurance policy is a Russia collusion investigation. And what I found fascinating is that uh, Peter Strzok refused to answer uh, and then claimed that the FBI wouldn't give him the permission to answer as to whether or not the investigation began before, mm-hmm. I forget the date, maybe it was July 31st, 2016. Mm-hmm. And then when they justice, when FBI came back and said he can answer it, he came back with, oh, I don't remember when it started. That should raise a question in everyone's mind because he had not done any investigations that we know of. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a kid in the bar in London with an Australian, I believe, or an Australian ambassador mm-hmm. who's got connections to the Clinton Foundation. I mean, you know, this yeah. is the kind of thing all you need is a map. And I talk about it in the book with footnotes, so yeah. that'll probably explain it better. In the in the last segment on our program, Judge, before you joined us, we were talking about, and I was leading a discussion as to why President Trump may not trust the intelligence community. And again, obviously, a lot of people were upset with this comment in the press conference with Putin uh, that that somehow he was he was dishing uh, uh, U.S. intelligence and has not shown the love affair that a lot of presidents have <laughs> with American intelligence. But m- my point was that if you look at the people that were responsible for investigating the meddling charges in the Obama administration, they were James Comey, they were James Clapper. Uh, and uh, and they were uh, John, John Brennan. Brennan. So yeah. there would be reason if if I was a new incoming president, I'd worry about their competence, n- not about their 
not about their politics so much, but their competence. And I'm wondering if you would add anything else, or are there other players or an explanation that you feel the president has for not really trusting, uh, you know, you know, without questioning American intelligence reports to him? Well, look, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest that, that I've spoken to the president about this, but I can tell you this. I've been a prosecutor, a judge, and a DA for 30 years, over 30 years. And uh, I can put together a case as good as the next, and I know a conspiracy, and I know a con when I see it. So, you know, the reason Americans elected Donald Trump, think about this, is because when the guy first came on the scene, we were so tired of political correctness. And this guy spoke in a totally unpolitically correct way. So when he was asked the question, and, and he said that he was he misspoke and, and, you know, we had moved on, but, but whatever. I, w- I want to focus on this. You've got John Brennan, who literally hates Donald Trump. He says his meeting with Putin was enough for him to be charged with treason. Treason, of course, punishable by the death penalty. Yeah. You know, this guy Brennan hates Donald Trump. He, he, he's the head of the Central Intelligence Agency who voted for a communist for president. I mean, give me a break. Then you go to James Clapper, who gets in front of Congress and lies. This guy is uh, the, the, the director of uh, national intelligence. And Clapper said when they say to him, uh, do you spy on Americans? No. Are you sure you don't spy on Americans? Well, no. Well, not wittingly. You know, and Clapper's the same guy who says, I never leak anything to the, to the media ever. And then he has to admit, yeah, well, I leak stuff to CNN. And by the way, they pay him every week now to be on television. James Comey, a guy that I liked, he was the sitting U.S. attorney when I was the elected DA, uh, and, and where our offices were next to each other. And honestly, this guy stepping into the lane of the attorney general saying no reasonable prosecutor would prosecute Hillary Clinton when, you know, first of all, it's not his role. And secondly, uh, you know, how do you have an investigation of a presidential candidate who puts our classified secrets at risk for the world to see? You don't have a grand jury. You don't do search warrants, no subpoenas. You hand out immunity like lollipops. I know enough that the only time you hand out immunity is when you can use their testimony. But they didn't want their testimony. They just wanted to give them a free pass. So I'm not going to bore you for the next 20 minutes, but I could go on for 20 minutes. You blame this guy if he's got questions? The intelligence community was openly hating him and, 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 and saying he's a moron, he's an idiot, he's this, he's that. Everything told us that the intelligence community was trying to sink this guy. And you know what? The American people got it. That's why they elected him. Judge Janine, uh, uh, Peter Hanna is here. Uh, he is an attorney. He's also with the ACLU. His expertise is ah. cybersecurity. He's a Democrat. But uh, he has a question for you. Yes. Hi, hi, hi Peter. Hi, Judge Piero. How are you? I'm good. Uh, congratulations on your book. I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, but I did have a couple of questions that I, I was hoping you could kind of um, uh, share sure. uh, your view so with respect to the anti-Trump conspiracy that um, I'm sure is the, obviously the theme of your book, do you think that it's it, – is it a successful conspiracy and is it something that is succeeding? And do you also um, buy into the – you know, I've heard a lot of talk about the, you know, quote, unquote, deep state. Do you think that that's really um, something in place? And I think the second part of the question is simply, you know, your colleague uh, and frequent guest Rudy Giuliani, also a one-time prosecutor – What's your assessment of the, the job he's doing, um, particularly given that, you know, a few days after he said that Cohen was an honorable lawyer, he said he's a pathological liar? 
Well, okay, I'll, I'll start with the first. Do I think that the conspiracy is, is, has worked or is working? Well, I, I think the answer to that is it's yet to be seen. Uh, because honestly, um, Peter, we have, for the last 19, 20 months, been fractured as a nation. Because America has been sold a bill of goods, I believe, that there is Russia collusion uh, by Donald Trump and, and, and Russia. And so the, with this special counsel appointed after the attorney general said uh, 24 hours of his being appointed by the president, I can't do anything. Now we've got, you know, the country is, is being fractured by this investigation. You know what? Give me some evidence. Give me something. When I was the sitting DA, they tarned seventy if I made accusations and then never delivered, a, you know, with a fact to back them up. So the answer, and I'll leave it at that, is it's yet to be seen that the conspiracy. Uh, some might say yes. The fact that we are fractured is a successful conspiracy. And uh, you know, the second question uh, uh, about Rudy Giuliani saying was that the second question or the yes. third? Second. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Uh, look, I, I look. I like Rudy Giuliani. I know Rudy Giuliani. I had him on my show last night with breaking news. But uh, look, any attorney worth his salt, I would think, you know, uh, if if you if you know that someone has worked for the president and has been, you know, uh, what you consider a lawyer, you say that. But then when you dig deeper into Michael Cohen, I think it's pretty obvious that you know he is looking to take care of his family and himself and so many people in the hairs and the short hairs of federal prosecutors or of the federal prosecutors have by the short hairs, they look for anything they can find to not go to jail and protect their families. So Judge, Judge Janine, we've got to pause for a commercial break. We will be back with Judge Janine Pirro, author of the book, Liars, Leakers, and Liberals. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. From coast to coast and border to border and around the world, this is Beyond the Beltway every Sunday night. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Judge Janine Pirro is with us. She's Fox News, and she is also the author of a new book called Liars, Leakers, and Liberals, The Case Against the Anti-Trump Conspiracy. And Jeff Hom who is the head of the, with the National uh, Republican Federation, is here in Chicago with us. And, Judge, he has a question for you. Jeff? 
Judge, I know your um, your book came out a couple weeks ago, and it was probably before the uh, the FISA application um, releases. So, what did you what did you think of the kind of circular logic that was used in the FISA applications, where it's the yeah. the, the Steele dossier, and then a report about the Steele dossier, and then <laughs> and then you know kind of that circular chain? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, first of all, you know when I I used to sign uh, search warrants or you know cops would bring warrants for my signature, uh, one of the things that you do is you question the affiant. And um, I always, um, you know, I always found that a search warrant, uh, you know, was pretty much a violation of someone's Fourth Amendment rights, uh, you know, without the order of the court, um, before the court's order. And so you need to be ever vigilant and very specific about the basis of the facts that are being alleged. What they did in this case was, uh, some would say amateurish, and others would say genius. You know, you want more than one reason to issue a warrant and invade someone's privacy. But they offered two. One was a dossier that was paid for by Hillary to DNC, and, and the money funneled to a law firm, and then Fusion GPS, and then to Christopher Steele and the Russians, okay? So, uh, and then... They offered an article by Isakov and Yahoo as the corroboration and making it look as though from two separate sources we're coming up with this same basis for which you, Your Honor, should issue a warrant to allow us to surveil an American citizen. Now, I don't know who that judge was, but I'm not impressed. And one of the things I say in Liars, Leakers, and Liberals is this. That judge should be screaming from the highest towers, although I would understand why he, if it is Rudy Contreras, and I don't know that it is, um, would be embarrassed to do so because he got suckered. So if he didn't get suckered or was too dumb to ask questions, was he in on it? And why do we have a secret court to begin with? If in truth, no one really knows what's going on, and there's surveilling American citizens that you know Jeff, how many times that FISA court uh, has been reprimanded for allowing uh, uh, interference with people's privacy? I, I, I have no more faith in that court than I do with any other court, and it's supposed to be this esteemed group of judges. In, in, in the conspiracy uh, that's out there, uh, in your view, that you're, you're observing, is there an end? When, when, would, when will we know if there is a winner or a loser? And is it, is it only going to come with an impeachment and a vote? Or is there something else that will happen prior to that that will let us know that maybe uh, the president is in deep trouble? Well, you know, I, I, your, your question is, is a very simple one, but it's also very deep. Is there a winner or a loser? There certainly is. The loser is the American public. The American public that ends up being intolerant of each other, depending upon what side you're on. People have been so ginned up with this promise of evidence of Russia collusion that we are tearing apart the very fabric of this country. You know, we are the United States of America, and all of a sudden with this allegation for which there is no evidence, ostensible evidence of collusion. And as I say in my book, Liars and Leakers, you point one finger at three fingers are pointing back at you. The only collusion I'm aware of is, you know, the collusion to sell 20% of our uranium to the Clintons with a $150 million kickback and a $500,000 speech for 
bill uh, after the approval of the sale. And don't tell me for one minute that, whoa, you know, it was a whole bunch of, you know, the Committee on Foreign Investments. Uh, seven of the nine of them were connected to the Clinton Foundation. I'd like to get all of them under oath. And the State Department's the big dog in that. You know, we want to talk about collusion. Why would the President of the United States say to Medvedev, tell Vlad I'll have more flexibility after the election? Why did the United States sit and watch Russia invade and annex Crimea? Why did the United States do nothing when they fought in the Ukraine? At least this guy, Donald Trump, is imposing sanctions. He is, uh, he, he is arming the Ukrainians at billions in arms sales. Uh, he's thrown out uh, some of the Russian uh, uh, dignitaries and closed consulates. And at this point, the, the president has done everything that he can do. Now, look, when will we know if there's a winner? I don't know. All I know is this. When you start talking about hookers and porn stars, I don't really, with all due respect, give a damn. And if that's what we've got to do to take a president down, then I guess they're going to do it. But the American public now have an economy that is through the roof. Majority African-American women, unemployment lower than it's ever been in history. And my concern is, you know, for years we couldn't figure out, should we contain ISIS, should we dismantle, should we destroy? Well, you know what? He, he, Donald Trump destroyed them. The GDP 4.1. I, I don't want to be part of it here. And I so, I must tell you, I so respect this show because you're giving me a chance to say, and you're at, you know, to answer your questions, and you're asking me fair questions. But I, I just don't want this country torn apart anymore. I want to tell you, do you want to know why that tape was released? Where Michael Cohen, Judge, and Judge, I've, Judge, yeah. I've, I've got to introduce. I got to interrupt you because we're out of time. We're running up to the network. You know all about that, Judge Janine Pirro, author of Liars, Leakers, and Liberals: The Case Against the Anti-Trump Conspiracy. Judge, we're here every Sunday night. You're on Fox every Saturday night. You've got our number. Whenever you want to give us a call on a Sunday night, we'd be delighted to have you back on the show. Thanks very much for being with us. And thank you all and for I'm our guests. Do that. Thank okay, you. please thank do. You, you got yeah. my private okay. number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, our thanks to our guests in the studio as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks to also Fritz Goldman and Dan Dorfman and Sam Greenberg for their assistance in the production of this program. Until next week, this is Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. If you look hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live.
the experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. <laughs> 